Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So there is a very well-known scripture in Isaiah chapter 9, which we read at Christmas time, but I want to look at it again today with a view to seeing something new in it. And it's Isaiah 9 verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born. We had a baby dedication this morning where we looked at a a young family that have just had a new son born, and the Bible says we are that family, not just Mary and Joseph, not just the nation of Israel, not just 2,000 years ago, for unto us, you and me, we've had a child born. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. Given means a gift something we could never have earned, we could never have deserved. We did nothing to bring about Jesus being given. Unto us a a child is born, unto us a son is given. What a precious gift, the most precious Christmas gift. Jesus has been given. I wonder if you will find him this year. Goes on to say, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Now those of us who follow politics, see the word government and we realize that that is a word that gets people's emotions and passions and anger stirred up, isn't it? You say the word government, there's a lot of passion and anger and and emotion and, and all sorts of things. People are willing to go out and protest on the streets. People are willing to stand outside parliament for two years and shout, stop Brexit! because of this word government, and God gets right in there. He says, not just is he a child, not just is he a son, but he is a government. Wow, okay. I sit up and I take notice. The government will be upon his shoulder. Now, the idea is of an epaulette. You know when a a soldier goes up through the ranks in the army, he gets more and more stripes on his shoulder, and it shows his rank, That's what this is talking about. And what it's saying is Jesus, even though he was a child, even though the world looked at him as an infant, a, a vulnerable child, he had government on his shoulder. He had authority. God said, this is the leader. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called. One name, it doesn't say and his names, it says singular, and his name shall be called and it mentions five characteristics of this son, wonderful. And that word means miraculous, means startling, means something supernatural. I don't know if you remember, but in Judges 13, when Samson was gonna be born, there was a woman who was barren and she prayed for a child and her husband Manoah and an angel came to them and said, you're gonna have a, a miraculous son called Samson And they said, what is your name? And the angel of the Lord, Judges 13, 18 says, why do you ask my name seeing it is wonderful? His name was wonderful, Jesus' name is wonderful. What it's saying is that this child is otherworldly. There's something supernatural, an extra power, a superpower about him, wonderful, unexpected, miracles, signs, wonders, wonderful happen with him. There's something supernaturally powerful about this child. And when I go through these names, I'm gonna ask you, 
You see, you say, well, wonderful, a child's been given to me. Unto me a child has been given. Unto me a son has been given. But the way you know whether you've received this child is whether these five names are real in your life. Have you seen Jesus as being supernatural, as being wonderful, as being someone who breaks through and changes things and does something miraculous in your life that you could never have done on your own? Because if he's not, that child did not come home with you and you need to receive him today. His name shall be wonderful. His name shall be counselor. This means somebody who gives you advice and you follow it. Have you received Jesus as your counselor? Does he lead you? Does he give you advice? Does he say, this is the way, walk in it? The Bible says, when you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Is that real for you? He's a counselor, and he's an amazing counselor because his counsel is always right. It may be different to what everyone else around you says, but his counsel leads to eternal life. Mighty God is the third name of him, and now we start to get something very controversial. You know, there are many sects which call themselves Christian, and they use the Bible, but they don't acknowledge that Jesus is God. They say there's God the Father, and then Jesus came, but he was just an angel, or he was just a good person, or he was just a prophet. And this says that that little baby lying in the manger, his name will be Mighty God. That is extraordinary. That is the most crazy claim that anyone could make, that this child, this human baby with flesh and blood is Mighty God. Mighty God. Powerful God, almighty God, the one who can speak and the whole universe can be created or destroyed. That's him. Is he that to you? Do you see Jesus as the one who can change things drastically in your life? Mighty God, the one who has the final say, the one whose word carries infinite weight. The fourth name is Everlasting Father. And this is just so counterintuitive that a baby can be called father. And this shows me, not just this verse, but many verses in the Bible shows me that Jesus, the Son, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit are three distinct personalities, but they carry the same nature. Jesus is called everlasting father. It's part of his nature, even though he is a separate person, he is one with the Father. They are three, but they are one, and Jesus is everlasting Father. If ever you have an argument with someone who knocks on your door and says, Jesus is not God, just point them to Isaiah 9 verse 6. Mighty God, everlasting Father. What more could you want? Amen? Now, is he that to you? Is he that to you? everlasting, eternity. That's this realm called eternity where everything's possible, where there's no present or future or past. It's just all the present and anything is possible. He is that and he has it inside of him, everlasting, eternal father. And then the last one is prince of peace. Prince of peace. Now there are three little phrases in the Bible that go together, and in the English language, they use alliteration. Do you know what alliteration is? It's when you use the same letter, you repeat it, and so it sounds catchy. And the three phrases are king of kings, 
KKK, you know the one? Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace. Have you heard those three phrases before? King of Kings, he's the ultimate king. Lord of Lords, he's the ultimate Lord. Prince of Peace, hold on, Prince of Peace. You see, in Hebrew, there's no alliteration. It it doesn't go PP in Hebrew. It's not just a catchy phrase. Let's just say a phrase that sounds good, Prince of Peace, yeah, it sounds good. No, no, he's not the King of Peace, he's the Prince of Peace. Because he came to make war in order to bring peace. That's why he's called the son of David. David could not build the temple because he was a man of war, but he was a man of war so that peace could come, so that there could be peace brought in. And Jesus said, I came to bring a sword, but then he brings peace. Romans 5 verse 1 says, now we have peace with God. Because of Jesus, he bought peace, but he had to fight a war to get the peace. He overthrew the devil. He came against the world systems. That's where government comes in. He had to push against some wrong ideas and wrong authority figures, and he bought peace. But if he is the son and the child that you've accepted, you have received peace with God. He loves you. He's smiling on you. He wants to hug you. When he opens his wallet, there's a photo of you in it. He's pleased with you. That's peace with God. And the peace of God means, the world could be going crazy around me, but I have a deep well of peace within me. He's the prince of peace. Is that who he is to you? I'm gonna now just read a few verses before this verse six and one verse afterwards. So Isaiah nine verse one. Starts off, it says, nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. What's the gloom? At this time, the nation of Israel, and especially the northern territories, Galilee, you know where Jesus lived and did most of his ministry and where Mary and Joseph were from was the north of Israel, Galilee area, and that was under oppression. The Assyrians, which were a, a big army from nearby were attacking and threatening Israel. They were much stronger. And in fact, just before this prophecy, the Assyrians had come in and kidnapped most of the population of Galilee. And that was this gloom that was upon them. They were under fear and oppression. That's why the word government is important in this chapter, in this passage, because they were fearful of this government, this invading army, the Assyrians. If you want to look it up, 2 Kings 15, verse 29, talks about, let me read it to you. In the days of Pekah, king of Israel, Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came and took Ijon, Abelbeth, Makkah, Janoah, Kedesh, Hazor, Gilead, and Galilee, all the land of Naphtali, and he carried them captive to Assyria. That's the, the gloom that this nation was upon. It says, nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, And when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavenly oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. There was hope. Wow, something rescuing is gonna happen. Some some rescuer will come in. It says they've seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Can I ask you, my dear friend, let's just be honest with each other. Are you in darkness and gloom and fear? 
or is there a light that has shone in your life where there's hope and you say there's peace, there's something better? And if you're still in darkness, I've got great news for you. This Christmas, this day today, we can let that light in. He goes on to say, you have multiplied the nation, increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Even, they were un- even though they were under this oppression, there was a rejoicing, a joy bubbling up within them. They said, there's a rescuer. There's salvation coming. It goes on to say, for you have broken the yoke of his burden. That's Assyria. The staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. It's saying that even though it hasn't happened yet, they have hope and they understand God has a rescue plan and he's broken the the yoke, the rod of oppression that was over their shoulder. God has broken it and they're gonna be set free. And it says it's as in the days of Midian and immediately they remember little old Gideon who saved them from Midian, Judges chapter seven. You may not know the story, but Gideon was hiding in a cave. God appeared to him and said, God is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said, I'm the least of my family. My family is the least in Israel. We can't do anything. Where's the God of miracles? And God said, I'm gonna use you. And Gideon went out and 32,000 men went with him. God said, there's too many. He said, anyone who's fearful, go home. 22,000 left. There were 10,000 men remaining. God said, it's still too many. Make them drink water. And only 300 drank water without getting down on their knees. He said, I'll use those 300. God said, let's go now. Fight the Midianites who were so numerous. The Bible says it was like the sand on the seashore, like locusts in the valley. There were so many Midianites and 300 men with Gideon without any swords. They just had a little candle and a little jar over the candle and a trumpet, no weapons. They went around this huge army, they broke their jars so that the light shone, they blew their trumpets and they said, for the Lord and for Gideon. And the Bible says that the Midianites destroyed themselves. You see, God loves using something small. The Bible says he chooses the foolish and the weak things to confound the wise. You may feel like you're under this darkness, the darkness, the valley of the shadow of death, like the Assyrians threatening us. And God says, if you will just let hope break in today, a little seed of my son, my child will be born inside of you and something dramatic will happen. You say, but I'm the smallest person, I'm unimportant, I'm a a weak person, I'm a bad person, I, I don't have what it takes. God says, I love to use the small. I love to use what looks weak. And then in verse six it says, unto us a child is given and it lists his characteristics. And then in verse seven it says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Let me read that again. Of the increase, in other words it starts very tiny, but it says it will continue to grow. Of the increase of his government, and his peace, there will be no end. What that's saying is the minute you take this tiny seed of hope of Jesus into your heart, it starts to grow and it never shrinks. You say to me, Greg, what are you saying? My Christian life gets better every day? Are you saying there's always gonna be better in the future than the past with God? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. 
Proverbs 4, verse 18 says, the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter to the full light of day. 2 Corinthians 3 says, we are changed into his image from glory to glory. Or the New International Version says, with ever-increasing glory. The Christian life gets better and better. Jesus gets bigger and bigger in your life. The peace of God gets stronger and stronger. The government of God, he, he rules more and more and more of your life from day to day. And I have to say to you, my dear friend, I have to say to you, if he is not getting bigger in your life, there's a problem. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, but you've got to say, yes, Lord, take my life. Come in. And if it's not getting greater and stronger, if the peace is not growing, then today is the day you have to say, Lord, something's wrong. I need you to come in again. And I'm just going to close with the story of Mary. Christmas story from Luke chapter 1. The angel said to her, Luke 1 verse 28, rejoice, highly favored one, The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. It's very similar to Gideon. The angel came to Gideon and said, you are favored. God is with you, mighty man of valor. Little teenage Mary in an ignored and isolated small village in the corner of the world called Galilee. The angel says, the Lord is with you. You are highly favored. And I want to say to you today, God says that to you. And if you would be bold enough to say, me? Could it be? God says, I'm gonna come in now and change your life. Goes on to say, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Friend, you have found favor with God. He's chosen you today. It says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. There's another name, Jesus the Old Testament name Joshua or Yeshua, and it means salvation, savior. Goes on to say, he will be great. He will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One is to be born will be called the Son of God. And then he talks about Elizabeth, her cousin, and he says in verse 37, for with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, I am the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Friends, this is the crux of the matter. God approaches you. Every time you hear his word, but especially right now and today, he approaches you. He says, unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given, will you take him in? You are highly favored, God has a plan for you. Will you take him into your life? This is his name, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, Jesus, salvation. Will you take him in? And we like Mary and like Gideon say, who am I? Can this really be true? And the person who is brave enough to say, let it be according to your word in my life. Yes, Lord, let the Holy Spirit come upon me. Let your seed of your new life be born inside of me. For that person, something happens. The light breaks into those who've been in darkness. There's an increase of his government and his peace. There's no end to it. 
And as we walk with him and talk with him and spend time with him, he grows and he grows and he grows in our lives. And it's not just individuals. Then people get together in churches and nations are changed and the world is changed and eventually Jesus comes back and he rules the whole world. But today, the question is for you and me. Just like it was for Mary, just like it was for Gideon, just like it was for the nation of Israel, will you take the son into your heart. And the crux of the matter is this. He says, I will come in and be wonderful. I will come in and be a counselor. I will come and be mighty, do miracles, give you peace, but I wanna be the government. I wanna be the government. You can't have me without making me government. You can't have me without putting me on the throne and say, Lord, whatever you say is right. You know, I've been to many weddings, many weddings. Some really are are vivid in my memory. Some have been amazing, colorful, moving, emotional, beautiful. But there's one wedding that I remember more than any other, and that's my own. Because I made some promises. You see, at all the others, I was a spectator. At all the other weddings, It was interesting and lovely. It moved me emotionally. Sometimes I learned some wonderful things and I heard some beautiful words, but only at one of them was I required to make a promise that would change my life forever. And that one is by far the most precious to me because it's changed my life. And God says to you and I today, wonderful news, a child is born, a son is given, but will you make him king? And that requires you to make some promises and say, God, I will love you, honor you, obey you, follow you, for richer, for poorer, sickness and in health, for better, for worse, until death brings us together. And if you're willing to do that today, it will change your life forever. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. First of all, we're just going to look to God. We're going to remember what we've heard right now, and we're going to say, Lord, thank you for this offer of a child, a son being born in my life, a new start, a savior, a mighty God, a wonderful counselor in my life. God, I want that. God, I admit that I have sinned and I need to turn away from my sin and I need you to wash me and change me and forgive me. But more than anything, God, I choose to put you on the throne to be the government of my life. God, I choose to make you the king. I choose to say, I am not ruling my life anymore. You are God. You deserve to be the ruler of my life. And if that's you today, Many, many of us, including myself, have made that decision in the past. Just while we're praying, I'm gonna ask you to put your hand up in the air and we're gonna pray a prayer together and today is gonna be the start of a new journey for you. So if you would like to make Jesus your ruler and your king today for the first time, while our heads are bowed, please would you just put your hand up right now in the sky and I'll pray with you. Is there anyone? Put your hand up right now if that's you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
Yes, Lord. Thank you. Anyone? Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Right, I'm just going to pray. If that's you and you put your hand up, Father, I thank you that you see the desire and the, the intent of these people's hearts. I thank you, God, that you've said if anyone calls on your name, you rush in, you save them, you redeem them, and you forgive them. And I thank you that right now, Lord, you're doing a miracle work in those people's hearts. You're washing them and saving them right now. And I thank you, God, that from this moment on, there is no end to the increase of your government and your peace in their lives. Thank you, God, for your blessing, for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.